Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 866, air date January 29th, 2021. And John here is going to help me when I start the PowerPoint slides. You'll see John quietly walk over here and he'll point over to the uh, PowerPoint. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Idre. Welcome. It is around 6, uh, 18 p.m. Uh, on what is today? Wednesday? What, Thursday. Thursday. Thursday evening. Time goes by. January is almost over, but we're going to have a discussion today to build awareness, to educate all of you, um, um, starting with some background, starting with some fundamentals, uh, the methodology, a little bit of, you're going to learn a little bit about biology, the immune system, and what is the mRNA vaccine, lowercase m, RNA, ribonucleic acid vaccine, how it works, and, um, and what it does. So you're going to learn about that. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the dangers and concerns about that, because this, this is really not a quote unquote traditional vaccine. So we have a lot of people joining us today and we'll wait for more people to join. Uh, as people are joining, a uh, very quick thing I want to let everyone know, as you know, uh, that I'm deeply committed to education, technology and innovation. So as a part of that, coming off of our Senate race, which we're still fighting our election fraud issues, um, we have the only two cases alive in the country still. Uh, but as a part of that, I decided to use my technology resources and to really build a platform, a technology, educational and political platform, uh, not in the traditional sense of platform, but from a technology perspective to start inviting people to join a community. So those of you who are interested, you can go to vashiva.com, victoralphashiva.com. And I've shared this before, but I have to uh, each time I do this, it's important to let everyone know. Everyone says Shiva. Let more people know. So vashiva.com, you know, it was the original website where I put a lot of content up. But on that website, anyone can join it as a member. So you get access to videos and a community we're building where there's a forum. Uh, but more importantly, you can also log in. And if you go to vashiva.com slash join, you can log in and um, first of all, we're building this all bottoms up. So those people want to contribute to the development of the technology platform infrastructure, welcome to do so. We're also offering tools beginning with the book system and revolution and a tool called your body, your system that teaches you the foundations of systems, how you apply to your body. But more importantly, my goal is to uh, train thousands, tens of thousands of people across the world to become truth, freedom, health warriors. That's what we call it today. But it's people who get educated on systems. And, and then how you can apply those systems to understand the inter reaction, interconnect between truth, freedom, and health, why it's important to build a bottoms up movement, and more importantly, why we have to focus on, in systems here, we call it a disturbance and not so obvious establishment, but most importantly, the goal is to educate lots and lots of people on political principles. You can't build a bridge, as I've said, without Newton's laws. You can't build an airplane without Bernoulli's equation. So do you really think we're gonna be able to build a movement without scientific principles? So that's what it's to train you. So please take a mo moment to go there, um, do it for yourself. This is really for you, because if you look at what's been going on, a lot of people are very confused and dismayed because they've been following billionaires and celebrities and politicians. And it's time we actually build a movement of the people by the people. So please take time to go educate yourself on vashiva.com and I'll come back to that to show you some of the tools. But right now, uh, the goal is to really educate people on the mRNA vaccine. Uh, there's a lot of discussion out there, uh, but most, most importantly, people do not know what it is. So I'm going to go through the slides and um, 
John, if you can come on over here, and I think you guys can hear my voice. John, I'm gonna, um, uh, I, I'll, I'll be going back and forth, John. So um, um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna walk through these slides and I'm gonna jump right into it, if that's okay with everyone. So let's talk about this. So first of all, um, if you go to our website, vashiva.com, all of the, the, uh, the videos up there, et cetera, but what we're gonna cover today is a little bit of background uh, some of you are new. I think it's perhaps important to understand a little bit of my background, the methodology that we use to gather scientific data to educate you, not only on this video, but on many videos. A little bit of background on the modern immune system. It's very different than what Fauci has taught people, okay, or is not teaching people. Then we're gonna learn a little bit of basic uh, biology. It's called the central dogma theory. Uh, and frankly, that's there's a lot of problems with that. We'll talk about that and then how immune response occurs in the lungs. And then we're gonna talk about traditional vaccines, the vaccines of uh, what was really composed of when you injected something in, which was a dead uh, virus or attenuated viruses. And then this mRNA quote unquote vaccine, you're gonna learn how it works, how it's different, why there are two doses and some of the dangers and concerns. So let's jump right into it. First of all, my background is um, I'm not uh, a grifter. I'm not a social media guy, I'm a full-time scientist. Um, some of you may know I run a company called Cytosolve. I run a company called Systems Health. I've been interested in health uh, from an engineering system standpoint since I was a kid. Been doing research on it since I was 14. Went to MIT, did four degrees, in and out, started uh, multiple companies. My current company is called Cytosolve, but my training in systems came when I was a 14-year-old kid when I invented the first email system. And anyone listening out there, do not give one penny to the racist, Stalinist, fascist Wikipedia. These people are absolute, go look at their board. They're a bunch of scumbags. And I have to say that because these are people act like they're quote unquote liberals into diversity, but they hate the fact that my when, it, when my stuff went into the Smithsonian, I was a very humble Indian kid growing up in New Jersey. I built the first email system. Email is the electronic version of the old fashioned inner office mail system, the inbox, the outbox of folders. I converted that to the electronic form named it email, wrote 50,000 lines of code, coined the term email, and got the first US copyright. There's no controversy on who invented email. The problem is I'm not, I didn't market myself as a 14-year-old kid. It was only in 2011 when my mom was dying and she had saved all the artifacts. The Smithsonian wanted it. The day it went into the Smithsonian created a huge quote-unquote controversy because the thought of a dark-skinned Indian guy in, in Newark, New Jersey, inventing email blows the lid off the racist liberals, frankly who want to contain where innovation can come from, that it can only come from MIT and other places. But the fact is I invented email and do not give one penny to Wikipedia. Anytime we try to give the facts, in, in fact, including this Time Magazine article, they delete it because they want to control where innovation comes from. The fact is innovation can occur anytime, any place by anybody. So that's the facts. But uh, you also know I ran for US Senate because I'm deeply interested in applying systems to changing the world. But one of the key things that I do in my latest life um, is when I went back to MIT in 2003 to uh, do my PhD, out of my PhD came an amazing uh, innovation, which was really uh, a, a technology called Cytosol, which helps us literally take, understand the science out there and go and essentially destroy the old model of how pharmaceuticals were created. This is how pharmaceuticals get created. They find a compound, right? Someone discovers it accidentally, then they test it in a test tube for three or four years and they kill a bunch of animals for another three or four years. Then they go and test it on humans. This takes around 15 years 
This is called the pharmaceutical discovery process. By the way, vaccines don't even go through the stringent process, okay? Uh, they avoid this process. That's why these vaccines we're gonna talk about have had very minimal testing. But anyway, my technology that I created at MIT eliminates this method. Um, and what's important to understand is the reason vaccines are very important for big pharma right now is look at what's happening with the old pharmaceutical drugs. They spend more and more money on R&D, right, year over year, and they're finding less and less new drugs. The old pharmaceutical model is dying, so they need vaccines. So what happened in 2003 was when the Genome Project ended, the Genome Project started in, in the early 90s, where we were starting to try to find out how many genes a human being had. We thought a human being must have about a million genes or 100,000 genes because we knew in 1990, a worm only had 20,000 genes. So over the next about 20 years, um, 15 years later, we find out we only have the same number of genes as a worm. We only have about 20,000 genes. Now this flipped biology on its head because up until then, which you're gonna learn was a central dogma theory, which said, you know, genes create messenger RNA, messenger RNA, mRNA creates proteins. And therefore, if you have this gene, you're gonna die of this disease. Well, it turns out if we have the same number of genes as a worm, what makes us more complex? And it turns out it's the complexity of the molecular interactions, not just the genes, all the other chemical reactions and genes can be turned on and off. This means food, exercise, what you put into your body can turn things on and off. So this is completely flipped biology on its head. So I came back to MIT in 2003, this field called systems biology was coming out, which said, look, if you wanna understand the whole human being, you gotta understand all the components, the genes, the proteins, et cetera. So I came back to MIT uh, and, the, and the challenge I was given was, imagine you take the whole human cell composed of many, many molecular reactions could you mathematically model that on the on the computer? And this was seen as a intractable problem because this is just one little molecular pathway. And there's millions of these in the literature. Imagine converting each one of the, these to mathematical models and then putting them together. And so that's the technology I created with Cytosol. And this is a methodology where I can take any disease, any set of biomolecular reactions, extract out and model the individual pathways. And with Cytosolve, I created some very powerful technology, no different than email, which was the electronic version of the inner office mail system. Cytosolve is the electronic version of the human cell or biomolecular system. So um, we've created a whole platform for decentralized medicine where we can look at any type of literature, uh, organize it, extract out the mechanisms and mathematically model it. And you guys can go look this up, but uh, so what we're able to do is on any topic, be it mRNA vaccines or, or vaccines in general or GMOs, we can look at all the literature, extract out the papers, curate them, extract out the molecular reactions without cherry picking, connect them together to really find out what's going on at the molecular level. So in many ways, the old model, you know, the model of taking just a compound and testing, what Cytosol does is we can literally model everything on the computer long before we kill animals. There's no reason to do that. You can go right from human cell testing to humans. Um, and so our company helps the largest, you know, people want to create nutritional products figured out. We all actually are coming out with our own products now, which really do billions of computations to figure out what's right and it gets better and better. And this is how we build airplanes, by the way. We apply engineering science. And um, this is why this is important because the mRNA vaccine comes out of apparently an engineering approach to biology. But you know, we don't build airplanes by just throwing a pilot in, we do 
on the computer, then we do wind tunnel testing, then we do test flights. So just give you a quick example of what we can do with Cytosol. In the old days when I grew up in India, you know, these yogis would be mixing mortar and pestle. Let's say they're taking some grape seeds and they're throwing in some turmeric. Well, with Cytosol, we can literally take turmeric, which is a curcumin molecule, look at all the literature, 6,000 papers, model all the molecular interactions, and then see where curcumin actually interacts and we can mathematically model it. We can do that same for grape seeds or the grape skin, resveratrol. And then we can do experiments without killing animals on the computer. So for example, I can take a little bit of no curcumin, no resveratrol, and I can simulate inflammation. And by the way, this is what vaccines in some ways are doing. We'll come back to this. But 0.15 is high inflammation. Then I can um, give a little bit of curcumin, you see? John, you can zoom in and zoom out on this too, right? Mm -hmm. You can pinch in. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of curcumin and notice the inflammation drops. A little bit of resveratrol, it also drops from 0.15 to 0.06. But watch what happens when you combine stuff. I combine less curcumin by 60%, less resveratrol by 40%. But guess what? You get, you get doubling of the anti-inflammatory response. So this is why Cytosol is powerful, okay? So one of the ways that I've used Cytosol, um, let me just come back here. Uh, to explain to people, I think I was sharing, right? I hope everyone saw that. Did everyone see the slides? Was I sharing the slides? <laughs> I don't think I was sharing the slides, was I? Let me see. Uh, let me go back to slides. Application window. I think I was, right? Um, one second, everyone. Uh, let me just make this a little bit smaller. John, can you see that? Yeah. Okay. Let me just go back to set up show. There we go. Okay, so uh, I just wanted to do a quick check on uh, on uh, our StreamYard here. Was everyone able to see the slides? Yes? No? Everyone able to see the slides? Oh, good, okay, great. So what I wanted now, that's a background. So um, in 2019, and this is why everyone should go hammer Wikipedia. They called me a pseudoscientist. Pseudoscientists don't get four degrees from MIT. I was invited to give the prestige lecture at the National Science Foundation 2019, which was an invited lecture to talk about the modern immune system. So what I gave there is what I'm gonna share with you briefly. And this was literally about, um, uh, when was this? This was back in November of 2019. And the modern immune system they're gonna share with you, this is, in order to understand the modern idea of the immune system, we have to go back to the old idea. The old idea of the immune system and this is a problem with the mRNA vaccine and for that matter, any vaccine, or for that matter, what Fauci is talking about. The old model of the immune system was a two compartment model where the immune system only consisted of these two boxes, which means you had the innate immune system, which is that aspect of your immune system in your eyes, your, no your nose, your throat, your gut, you know, all these aspects. It's the front facing part of your immune system. And the notion was, and this goes back to the 1915s or 1950 on a good day, is that pathogens come and attack you through your nose, your mouth, right, your throat, and then your innate immune system kicks in, which is, imagine Marines, which just start shooting everywhere, macrophages, neutrophils, they're a set of cells which try to take out that pathogen. The second part of that immune system is a sharpshooters, like, you know, uh, shooters who can take out someone from a long uh, mile away, you know, and that's the adaptive immune system, which, um, if the innate immune system tries to ruffle up the enemy, you know, just by shooting everywhere, it creates a lot of shredded body parts, okay, which are called antigens. Those antigens are then presented to the immune system. 
And the immune system, the adaptive immune system, which includes T cells and B cells, and don't worry, we're going to go through this, then creates antibodies. And the goal is once you have that antibodies, the next time that same invader comes, you're protected, okay? This is this two, two, two box model of the immune system. And based on this, the whole base of vaccines is, well, let's just stick something into you to create this immune response. But here's the problem. They don't engage your innate immune system. They go right to the adaptive immune system. Okay, so you're subverting nature here, and it's only a, a small understanding of nature. What I shared at the National Science Foundation, this is a much more comprehensive view of the immune system. My PhD thesis, 50% of it was on the immune system, because the other part of it was modeling the immune system. So in many ways, a whole part of it was on the immune system. But particularly, I was looking at the missing link between the innate and the adaptive called the interferon system, the IFN system. Why is the IFN system Important, go ask any of your doctor friends, how many of them have heard of the IFN system? Could they describe it? Most can't. In fact, most doctors don't even know about the immune system. Remember, doctors, unfortunately, do not get a systems-based education of medicine. They got four years, they got to slog it out, drink as much caffeine as possible, get beaten up by doctors and residents, and they make it through, but they learn little pieces. When you look at the overall immune system, which is what I presented at the National Science Foundation, you find out that the true modern immune system is composed of many more components. We have the gut microbiome, which is nearly 60 trillion bacteria. Over here, we have the uh, virome, which is nearly another 60 trillion, uh, 200, 380 trillion viruses in our body. We only have six trillion cells. So this is part of who we are in our gut and throughout our body. That inter interacts with the innate immune system, the adaptive, and it connects through the gut-brain axis to our brain. This is why as below, so above. So if you have stuff going on in your gut, it's going to affect your brain, your neural system. The interferon system is sort of intersects all of these. It is this, it, it comes from the word interference, interferons. This was discovered in the late 50s. And what they discovered was that when you got one virus, guess what? The body created interferons, type 1, type 2, and type 3. And these interferons actually get your body ready and protect it from other viruses. So listen to me, your body is waiting to be hit by a virus and your body gets stronger. The interferon system is something Fauci will not discuss because it exposes a lot of flaws in this very rudimentary understanding of the immune system. So the system's approach to the immune system is what is needed. And what you find out about it is that this immune system is much more resilient and one size does not fit all. So that's a quick version. If you guys want to go, go to VHU and you'll see more of the slides. So with that background, let's learn some basic biology, okay? Here's basic biology. That was comes from the Watson and Crick days of the 1950s. It says, look, DNA stores information, genetic information of the organism. So what that means is DNA, I'm going to go back to video here, John, for a sec. So what this means is, this is important to understand. I just want to take, so the when DNA was found, the discoverers of DNA uh, thought that everything was DNA. So if you had this gene, you're gonna get this disease. So the notion was DNA was a central command and control center, no different than the CEO of a company, that the CEO directs stuff and then things happen, that DNA was directing everything. And the central dogma theory basically said that DNA will create what's called a RNA, messenger RNA, mRNA. So that is a process of what's called, um, as we talk about it, uh, that's called transcription, okay? Uh, uh, the long helix of DNA, a piece of it, which are known as genes, 
A gene is a basic bunch of base nucleotides. A set of nucleotides put together gives rise to what are called genes, okay? And that gene, let's say there's a gene for coding for blue eyes. And so that gene, your DNA unravels, and, and that little piece of gene creates a piece of it called messenger RNA, which leaves the nucleus, goes out to the cytoplasm, and listen very carefully, that mRNA, and I'll show you the slides on it, creates, uh, uses a ribosome, it's almost like a, a, a blueprint, to create proteins, okay? Which basically are linkages of amino acids. So basically, the protein for blue eyes gets created, okay? So this is a process of transcription, and then what's called translation, mRNA creates a protein. Everyone clear? So John, you can come, come back, let me show the slides here. So let me show the slides here on this. So, um, so what happens here, as you can see in the slides, is DNA stores the genetic information of an organism, and then the gene's basic unit of DNA, which is pieces of DNA, is transcribed. Um, that occurs in the nucleus to mRNA. The mRNA leaves the nucleus, goes into the cytoplasm, and that's where the mRNA is translated to protein. So I'll give you an example here. So here's your double helix DNA. And you notice these yellow, blue, uh, yellow, green, blue things. These are called nucleotides if you go back to biology. So the DNA unravels, okay? And it creates a replica of it, okay? And here's a piece of it. It's a half of this piece and this is called messenger RNA. Transcription is occurring, this process in the nucleus this leaves the nucleus, and these sequence of bases are used at the ribosome to make a particular protein, okay? So messenger RNA, the key thing is it makes a protein. It can make any number of proteins. Now, just as a side note, what's occurred recently, um, what's occurred recently is the definition of a gene is completely changing because what's happened, Gerald Fink, a professor at MIT, just gave a great lecture on this, and he said, you know, what I just talked about here, this, let me go back to this, this what I've talked about are called protein coding genes, okay? These are genes, okay, which code for proteins, which means make mRNA. And there's, but what we found now is there is not just messenger RNA that DNA codes for. It codes for tRNA, silencing RNAs. There's many different RNAs. So the old model of biology was DNA makes messenger RNA, messenger RNA makes proteins, okay? So the new definition of a gene is not a gene that just makes proteins, codes for proteins, but it's a gene that codes for RNAs, ribonucleic acids, because it turns out that when I said those 20,000 genes, those 20,000 genes, those 20,000 genes only make 2% of the DNA. So what's the, 98, uh, the other 98%? Well, the other 98% are ribonucleic acids, which means the definition of a gene is not just a gene that codes for protein, but genes that code for RNA. So it's a powerful new definition, which means that we're at a bold new world. As Gerald Frank Fink talked about of what Captain Kirk used to say, you know, going boldly where no man has gone before. We're at the nascency of biology, which means that other 98% are these ribonucleic acids which can do all sorts of regulatory functions. We don't even know. So when we start playing around with mRNA or ribonucleic acids, we gotta be very careful, okay? Because we're manipulating nature without knowing all the consequences, all right? So, but the basic point I wanted to make here, again, is going back to basic biology, which everyone uh, should remember, but if you don't, you have the DNA, 
and it creates this little piece of RNA, which codes for a protein. That's the main thing you want to, because this is where the messenger RNA technology comes in. So let's, since we're talking about the coronavirus, it's important to understand how immune response works in the lungs. What happens when you get infected in the lungs? Okay, what actually happens? Well, let me walk you through this diagram and I've done variations of this. So remember, if you follow the old model, you have the innate immune response and the adaptive immune, immune response. Let's walk through this. Your lungs, your lungs are composed of cells, right? The walls of your lungs contain what are called epithelial cells. Those epithelial cells are where the interaction takes place between airflow that's coming in into your alveolus and ex the gas exchange of that air, right? You're, you're sucking in oxygen and that oxygen is being taken into your red blood cells, which is coming from your heart, right? As your heart pumps blood around. And then the red blood cells are exchanging back, you know, CO2 and they get replenished. Anyway, this, the lung epithelial cells are where an infection takes place. So those are the cells lining your lungs, epithelial, it's lining of the lungs, okay? So in those lung epithelial cells, um, what happens? So you get a virus coming in. Now there's two things I wanna show you here. This little orange blob is called a macrophage, okay? Macrophages are in the innate immune system. Remember, they're like the Marines. They go out and try to attack. This is a virus. So here you see the, let's say the coronavirus with these little spikes, those blue spikes are the spike proteins, okay? So what happens is this virus, uh, the macrophage detects it and it tries to do what's called phagocytose, right? Which tries to surround it and eat it up, okay? So that's the first innate immune response cells such as a macrophage can neutralize the virus, okay? If this doesn't work, the virus then invades and these little, these little tan boxes here, um, are the uh, uh, lung epithelial cells. If it doesn't make through this, then it infects one of your lung cells, okay? Now, when it infects the lung cells, okay, inside the alveolar macrophages also try to kill the cell. And what they do is as they're eating that virus up, you notice the spike proteins, which are these little blue things, that's a protein. The spike proteins get shattered everywhere. So what, so, so the innate immune system has done its, its job and it's created what's known as an antigen. So what is an antigen? An antigen in this case is those little blue particles. So again, let me review carefully. So you understand the macrophage, the Marines try to take out that virus. And in the middle of that, there's a lot of shooting gets done, body parts going everywhere. And those body parts, those little blue things are known as the antigen. Okay. Which means remnants of the surface protein of that virus. So what happens then is these surface proteins engage the adaptive immune system, the Navy sharpshooters, okay, or the sharpshooters, the, the Navy SEAL sharpshooters, and they're engaged by the CD4 T cells, okay? The CD4 T cell says, I got an antigen, I got a body part, let's now manufacture an antibody to take it out, and also let's go uh, destroy that infected cell. So the, the CD4 T cells do two things. On the one hand, they invoke this purple cell denoted here called the CD8 cells. And the CD8 cells recognize the viral peptides right here, right, on the cell surface and they eliminate the infected cells. That's called cytotoxicity or cytotox, right? Cyto means cell, they destroy the infected cell. But more importantly, the B cells, okay, right here, the B cells are the things that look at that antigen 
and they produce an antibody represented by these little Ys, okay? So the next time the virus comes, these antibodies can bind and inactivate the virus, okay? So let me just go through that again. So in so what happens is you have your lung epithelial cells, a coronavirus comes in, your macrophages, which are these big blobs, they try to surround it and eat it up and destroy it, okay? And as they're eating it up, they're destroying the cells and it's you know putting out these body parts of the virus, including the spike proteins, which is those blue things I showed you. If it infects the cells, then what happens is they, uh, the, your, your adaptive cells are also invoked, okay? The adaptive immune system and the CD4 uh, cells uh, invoke the B cells to create antibodies, and it also invokes the CD8 cells to take out the infected cell, okay? So that's what's going on. I and mean, there's a lot more details, which I talk about in other videos, but the most important thing you need to understand here is that what's the important thing is see these spike proteins here, these spike proteins, the blue objects there, create antigens, which means they're the ones that stimulate the adaptive immune system to produce the antibodies, okay? So the main thing you need to take away from this right now is that in the natural course of your immune system, your immune system, by the way, this is only two parts, there's the interferon system, the microbiome, but even taking these two parts, your immune system detects the surface protein of the virus, those spike proteins, and it creates antibodies, okay? In response to those spike proteins, okay? So if you got that, you're gonna understand how the mRNA vaccine works, all right? So now let's go to how the mRNA vaccine works. But before I do that, I want you to, first of all, understand how vaccines, you know, the traditional vaccines. So in the traditional vaccine model, the goal is to train your immune system against a pathogen, right? So just like I said, that virus comes and there's, um, and there's different type and, and these and and the way it does this is it wants your body to recognize different types of antigens which are those spike proteins right so the fragments of the pathogen could be the surface protein that blue object it could be polysaccharides right it could be the rna mrna dna remember the virus if you go back to this has many different body parts it's got the surface it's got the spike and it's got the mrna and the rna so any one of these things if your immune system detects it, it'll produce the antibody. That's the idea, okay? So when they create a vaccine, they're trying to simulate nature. They're, they get pieces of these body, body parts, meaning body parts of the virus, quote unquote body parts, okay? And then they weaken it, what's called a weakened pathogen or attenu attenuated virus. And it's typically the pathogen, quote unquote, killed. And then they inject it into you. But the problem that they noticed is that the antigen, which was the surface protein when they tried to create the man-made version, wasn't working too well, okay? So they had to add all these other things into the virus, I mean, into the vaccine, adjuvants, you know, antimicrobials, preservatives, and stabilizers. So there's many other things, mercury, aluminum, uh, you know, uh, polysorbates, whole bunch of other things that they, these other things had to be added to make sure that the delivery of that bar, uh, vaccine took place and it created what was called the inflammatory response. Okay, this is very important to understand that in order to create that inflammatory response, it, it wasn't happening just with the dead version of the virus, right? So what, 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 what was the vaccines trying to do? They were basically trying to emulate, which means copy nature. Look, in the old days, if you got sick, you had a measles party, people sneezed on you, whatever happened, right? In farms, when one cow got sick, 
they had the cow sneeze and they took it. That was inoculation. When the smallpox in the 1700s, you know, was done or Edward Jenner did, they literally took the whole smallpox and they made an incision and they cut it and they gave it to people. That's how Washington inoculated 40,000 troops. It was a technique developed by the Africans called variolation. So they didn't try to mimic nature. They actually use nature. Okay. So what we're trying to do in the quote unquote modern world is we're trying to mimic it as you see in this case, by taking the antigen, right? Which are the deadened virus or the surf parts of it, body parts of the virus, and then adding all this other stuff. Okay, so that's what a vaccine is. And what happens is, so here's a live or attenuated virus bacteria, that's the antigen. So that's what's in a vaccine, the dead version of it. And when that goes in, your white blood cells get triggered to produce the antibodies. Those are those little uh, aqua Y structures, okay? So your body creates these antibodies. And then the next time, you, if you actually get the real virus denoted here, these antibodies attack it and they destroy it, okay? So that's the background how uh, a virus, a vaccine works. So brief, just again, to summarize, I like to summarize for you so, so I'm keeping everyone along. First of all, we understand from basic biology that in basic biology, the body creates uh, the DNA does transcription to create a little piece of mRNA. That mRNA, that process is called transcription. Then the mRNA leaves the cell and it, I mean, leaves the, the nucleus. It goes into the cytoplasm where that mRNA blueprint is used to create a protein. Messenger RNA is a blueprint for the protein. Okay. In the case of vaccines, what, oh, in the case of the immune system, what we learned is the immune system looks for the surface protein protein of the virus and then the immune system through a series of processes creates the antibodies to that protein okay which is known as the antigen okay and what we just learned just now is in a vaccine we're actually sticking in the antigen okay which is a deadened form of the virus and trying to stimulate the antibodies that's your traditional vaccine now let's move into with all that background you're gonna um, uh, hopefully enjoy uh, understanding what the mRNA vaccine is. By the way, the woman, uh, there was a, a, a researcher in Hungary, from Hungary, uh, she's the one who'd been researching mRNA. She said, wow, imagine if we could do this. Imagine, instead of putting in a deadened version of the virus, imagine if we could actually create mRNA, messenger RNA, that was code for the surface protein of the virus. So let me repeat that, or the spike protein. So she said, imagine I could create messenger RNA, okay? A human being could create an artificial version of messenger RNA, stick it into you, and imagine if that messenger RNA could then go into the cytoplasm and code for the protein that would come from a particular virus's surface, or the spike protein, okay? Because if it could do that, then the then that protein would engage your immune system to create the antibody. So you're never ever giving the dead virus. You're just giving the messenger RNA to code for the protein to trick the immune system to saying, oh my God, I'm being invaded. So therefore, let me create the antibody. So this was a concept of the messenger RNA vaccine. She was poo-pooed. I think for 10 years, she couldn't even get any funding. But uh, it was a woman researcher, and she is on the senior vice president at Pfizer today, okay? So the messenger RNA technology goes back many, many years. 
So the messenger RNA, what do we do here? This is from Pfizer. And I wanna walk you through this diagram. So here, so think about walkie right here. Uh, everyone tracking, John? Everyone okay on Instagram? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so what you see here, let me just check if everyone's okay on, uh, let me just go to this slide here. Okay, so if we go here, what you see here is here is the coronavirus. The inside, this is a, the edge here is a blue surface. Inside of here, this little squiggly thing is the, uh, is the DNA or RNA of the coronavirus. And pointing out of this are these little purple things, okay? This is known as a spike protein. So what it, why is that spike protein important? Because that is what, in the normal case, if your, if your cell sees, your, your immune system sees, it says, oh, I got to produce an antibody against that spike protein. So what they did was they took one of those spike proteins, okay? They took one of these spike proteins and they reversed engineered to create the mRNA sequence. So let me repeat that again. So they said, okay, here is a spike protein. And it probably had so many amino acids. They said, let us find the messenger RNA that would create that spike protein, okay? So that messenger RNA doesn't typically exist in your DNA. So it's a foreign mRNA they're gonna create. So when they shove it into your, your cell, it goes into your ribosome and your ribosome says, oh, here's a messenger RNA, let me make this protein. Got it? That makes sense, John? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was a concept of the messenger RNA vaccine. So the first step here was to make uh, this mRNA sequence, right? So scientists generated the mRNA sequence that codes for the virus spike protein, that's here. Then remember, so this is very powerful or new technology. You have to make sure now that you can deliver that messenger RNA all the way into the cells without it being destroyed, right? Without it being get eaten or having other ramifications. Now, the we don't know all the uh, details of the patents and everything, but this was covered in a lipid coating, okay? Uh, a lipid coating, uh, a nanosphere, a nanoparticle typically. Uh, one of my advisors who's on, when I was uh, an undergraduate at MIT, Bob Langer, is one of the chief scientists at uh, Moderna, I came to find out recently, but Bob, when I worked for him as an undergrad, he was the guy who was building liposomal technology where you could put drugs in a liposome and deliver it. So um, this is the lipid coating. So, so the mRNA goes into this and then it gets delivered into, uh, so the RNA sequence, which is a blueprint for creating that spike protein is uh, delivered. So when they give you that injection, what they're delivering is the messenger RNA. You're not getting the quote unquote dead virus, which is what the traditional definition of vaccine is. This messenger RNA, you know, it arrives at the cells, okay? It arrives in the, in the cells and guess what your cells do? They do the same process that happened when you generated mRNA. They read that mRNA sequence and they produce millions of copies of the spike protein, okay? So again, just to be clear, the, the, your body, when you get that injection, the mRNA is being injected, your cells go into the cytoplasm, you're using your own cells, Xerox machine or the ribosome, and the mRNA comes in and starts generating those spike proteins. And what does your immune system do? It sees those spike proteins and goes, oh my God, foreign object, we have to generate the antibodies. All right, so that's the principle here. So now your body therefore starts generating the antibodies to this spike protein.
Okay, so in summary, you're shoving in an mRNA sequence, which was reverse engineered from the spike proteins. It's injected in, it takes over your cellular machine, or it uses your cellular machinery to generate these spike proteins, okay? These spike proteins are then seen by your adaptive immune system and it produces a particular antibody. So there you go, all right? Do people have any questions on there, John? I just wanna check in how yeah. people are doing. So e everyone tracking? Everyone makes sense, okay? Some of the people on Instagram are asking yeah. if it's, um, um, uh, can the mRNA splice or change your DNA? We'll talk about that. So keep that back here, John. Yeah. So, so one question is, the question is, can mRNA change or splice your DNA? This gets back to a fundamental thing is that we have just learned, remember, if you take all the DNA that you have, when we found those 20,000 genes, which are, we have the same number of genes as a worm. Okay. So what did we find? We found out that 98% of the DNA is not protein coding genes. Everyone understand that? Which means only a small subset of it codes for mRNA, which codes for protein. But there are many other RNAs we found in the last 10 years. tRNA, silencing RNAs, many other types of RNAs that we don't even know fully how they work. So the issue is, yes, messenger RNA codes for protein, but can messenger RNA interact with other uh, proteins or other RNA, regulatory RNAs, and can other regulatory factors, there are regulatory factors which interact with mRNA. These are unknown areas. Again, as I said, we, we're only now discovering there's a whole new definition of gene, all right? So this is quite extraordinary where we're at in biology. Um, and, you know, as I shared in 2003, when I went back to MIT, my training was three degrees in engineering. MIT wanted to get engineers in biology so we could start looking at an engineering approach. But this is quite fascinating because it could be quite dangerous. You could start doing all sorts of engineering. So let me go back to this. So how is this different, right? From, and this may answer people's questions, John, how is this different from the traditional vaccine? First of all, the in the traditional vaccine, if you look over here, the components were microbial protein or the inactive microbe, plus all the adjuvants and all that other stuff. This took maybe five, 10 years to create. Then you had to produce it. It was slower and more difficult to produce than the right type of protein, right? Because you, you had to go through all these manufacturing processes. And, and the process was the components are made in a lab and injected into the arm to stimulate an immune response. Okay, that's a process there. But you're starting with viral components. Here, the mRNA vaccine, you're starting with the mRNA, the blueprint of the, pro the surface protein. And the production is, you just have to make lots of mRNA, so it's faster. Uh, you could do it you know, in years, okay? A couple of years, two to three years. And the process is the components are injected into the arm and serve as the instructions for the body to make the microbial protein. So in the case of mRNA, the system makes a microbial protein. In the case of the traditional vaccine, you're actually giving the, the actual surface uh, proteins into you and a whole bunch of other stuff, okay? So that's the difference. So uh, a question that people have asked, oops, let me, let me go back to the slide. I don't think people saw this, sorry. Let me go back to this. If you didn't see the slide, sorry about that, John. I didn't share it with everyone on, on um, is that I just talked about the difference between the mRNA vaccine and the traditional vaccine. The mRNA vaccine, components are messenger RNA. In the traditional vaccine, the components are the actual microbes or the dead versions of them. The production here is you're making lots of mRNA. The production here is you're actually making the, you know, all the, uh, the microbes, right? You have to grow them, culture them, et cetera. Here are the processes you're injecting 
the actual my, uh, the uh, the mRNA to create the microbial protein. Here, you're actually creating the dead and form of the virus. Okay, so let's go on to. Um, some of you may know you have to get two doses of this vaccine. Some of you may know Hank Aaron. I think on January 17th, right? He got one dose, if I remember right, or January 5th. Um, he got one dose, and uh, the I th if I remember right, the Pfizer vaccine you have to wait three week, uh, four weeks, and the Moderna mRNA vaccine you have to wait four uh, three weeks. Okay, so Pfizer I think you have to go four weeks, and then the Moderna three weeks. So people have wondered, why do you need to get two doses? So they give you the first dose and you get the second dose. This has been a question I've been asked. So the reason it appears um, is that the overall vaccine efficacy, which means how good it is after one dose, was never studied, okay? Um, it has not been studied how it is lower than two doses. So they basically, remember, they quote unquote warp speed of these trials. They never really did detailed uh, you know, the clinical studies that you would have to do with when you do a pharmaceutical drug. This was into quote unquote warp speed. So in the clinical trials they did, they administered two doses and that led to increasing the efficacy by greater than 90%. So it's sort of trial and error, frankly. And that's what I found out. The dosing schedule was three weeks or four weeks. And that's based on results from the clinical trial studies. Okay. So you give the one dose that must produce a certain number of antibodies and the second dose produces more. So dangers and concerns, which I'm sure many of you are concerned about. So what are the dangers and concerns? First of all, the first one is minimal testing, okay? And remember, one of the important things people need to understand, and this is, uh, is that uh, the vaccines are put into a different category than pharmaceutical drugs. Look, if you're a big farmer right now and you're in the drug business, which means creating molecules, right? Like ibuprofen or Lipitor, that entire market is crashing and burning. Their trillion dollar market is burning to the ground because even the FDA is not even allowing many of these products. They spend year over year over year, more and more money in R&D. They're finding or getting less and less new drugs approved. Vaccines, and remember it takes 13 to 15 years to get a drug approved. Lots of testing, about $5 billion. Vaccines are not considered a pharmaceutical drug. They're considered a biologic. They don't need to go through that same regulatory framework. They don't need to go through that same testing. In fact, there's no framework for vaccine safety assessment. I did a whole conference on this. So they go through a very different ad hoc testing model. So, and remember, you cannot sue. Thanks to the Kennedys. Thanks to the Kennedys, you cannot sue a vaccine manufacturer. In 1962, uh, uh, John Kennedy passed the National Vaccination Act, which means everyone, they created the CDC and all the uh, vaccine programs. Well, a lot of people are getting injured, lawsuits. And then in 1986, his brother, Ted Kennedy, instead of eliminating that program, created a Band-Aid, which helped Big Pharma. They created the National Vaccine Injury Program, which basically said, you or I cannot sue the vaccine manufacturer. We have to go take them to a vaccine court, which was under Health and Human Services, which maximum liability is $250,000. Then the third Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, who's completely a farce, okay, he got three uh, times he endorsed Hillary Clinton. This guy uh, not only endorsed Hillary Clinton, but he openly says he's all pro-vaccine. And he actually believes, and I'll play you the video, because he's now the control opposition that Big Pharma's put out there. Because he is pro-vaccine, pro-vaccine, yet he has projected himself as someone who fights against you know, broad-based 
vaccines. What he wants is quote unquote safe vaccines. And remember when you have safe vaccines, you get to regulate the market and you create monopolies. And this is what the left and the right, how they work together because the left promotes quote unquote safety, which creates regulations, which creates monopolies for the right. Okay. So Robert Kennedy endorsed Hillary Clinton three times who's Miss Vaccine Queen. And, um, and he's openly said, you know, he's pro-vaccine, he vaccinated all his kids. So the point I'm saying is that the National Vaccine Injury Program created by his uncle, Ted Kennedy, basically ensures none of us can sue them. And vaccines don't go through the same regulatory process. So if you're in the vaccine, big pharma, it is a payday because no liability, you can't be sued and the regulatory process has shrunk. So that's the background. So what are the dangers and concerns here? Let's look at it, okay? So the dangers and concerns here, first of all, there's minimal testing. The second thing, remember I talked to you about the interferon system, that middle missing link. Well, there's evidence that the that upregulation of type one interferons takes place, okay? And that's associated with autoimmune disease. And this comes right out of, um, and I wanna, you can look this up on med page today. It goes, a possible concern could be that the, that, that some mRNA-based vaccine platforms induce, remember the mRNA, they add other stuff, the liposomes, all this other stuff, induce potent type one interferon, which are interferon alpha and beta response, which have been associated not only with inflammation, but also potentially with autoimmunity, okay? So that's one thing I wanna alert people to. Remember, it's not just the adaptive, it's not just the um, innate. We have the interferon system. So the components of that platform can induce type one interferons, which are associated with autoimmune disease. All right. The second piece there is the issues with blood coagulation and edema. And the, the authors of a, one of the papers also noted that extracellular RNA could contribute to edema. So remember when that mRNA goes in, it has to go into the cell, into the cytoplasm. Well, some of it may be out of the cell. So let me just point this out. Remember, this is very, very important. The mRNA, messenger RNA, remember it, it, it is created in the nucleus in the, in, the, in the natural world, right? The way nature works. Your DNA creates mRNA in the nucleus and it gets transported to the cytoplasm. And in the cytoplasm, mRNA is used to make the protein. But when we inject mRNA, it's gotta go into the cell. Not all of it's gonna go to, into the cell, right? Some of it's gonna be outside of the cell, but that's not the normal place for mRNA to be. So one of the po important points here that, uh, that was brought out is extracellular RNA could contribute to edema, right? Which means, you know, buildup of water, fluids. And the cited study that showed it promoted that you could get blood coagulation and pathological thrombosis formation because what you're doing is the mRNA is not supposed to be outside of the cell. It's gotta be inside of the cell. So when you inject it, it's gotta make its way in. And look, I can tell you from an engineering standpoint, there's a thing called efficiency. No engineering system is 100% efficient. If you did, we'd have perpetual motion machines, which we don't, right? Um, so not all of that RNA is gonna make it in. Some of it's gonna be outside of the cell and that can cause edema and blood coagulation as some of the studies have shown, okay? The final piece here in the danger is severe allergy. Moderna, now remember, they did not release their figures for adverse events in announcing the final top line results, uh, but said there were no serious safety concerns. And the interim data from the company's phase three trial analyzed 
uh, when 95 infections had been re recorded out of the 95, did include adverse events rates, fatigue, 9.7%, 8.9%, myaglia, arthraglia, 5.2%, headache, 4.5%, pain, 4.1%, arrhythmia and redness at the injection site, 2.0%. So there were other adverse reactions, anywhere between 2% all the way to 9.7%. So I'm gonna end there. But the, the main thing I wanted to do here um, is to build awareness. Look, we don't wanna build a left-right narrative anywhere. We don't wanna go pro-vax, anti-vax. What we wanna build is a systems approach. And what the systems approach reveals is that the body, first of all, is a unique system. Your body is different than my body. Um, and, the, and the immune system, as I've shared, is a very complex system. It's not just the innate and it's not just the adaptive. So when we try to go create a solution, play with nature, we need to understand there's many, many subsystems taking place here. And the key takeaway is we only know today 2% of the human genome. The other 98%, which are these genes, they're not just creating protein coding genes, mRNA type things, they're creating other RNAs and we don't fully know how they work. So when we're giving mRNA, now they've worked through certain very interesting problems, engineering problems, which is how to get it delivered, how to make sure it doesn't get eaten up. But any engineering system always will have a certain amount of inefficiency. And that is fully not been disclosed to all of us. That inefficiency can contribute based on the individual to different kinds of reactions because one size does not fit all. So I hope that's helped. Uh, John, we can take some questions. Yes. Let's see if we have any questions here. Um, let me see. Um, doesn't the, uh, let's see what we got here. Immune system. Let's see. Um, let's see what we got here. What does this say? Okay. Someone says we know the full genome, how it is regulated via the elite one is still becoming clear. Exactly. So the, I think the point is, look, we know the genome, but we don't know what 98% of it does. Okay, when we talk about the genome, we're only been talking about the protein coding sequences. Okay, that's where the genome project was. So uh, again, we're in the bold age of biology. I mean, we're literally like looking at the stars, everyone. And there are, you know, trillions of stars out there. We have more stars than grains of a sand. Well, we have the same situation biology right now. What do you got, John? Some, some, someone asked, um, uh, have you ever had any um, uh, business dealings or relationship with Pfizer or Moderna? No, I haven't had any uh, dealings with Moderna. So let me give you my background. When Cytosol first started, right, Robert Kennedy, who's a, when I exposed him, he said that I am a vaccine maker because I was actually exposing him. You know, what Cytosol does is it's a mathematical modeling technology. We can model anything. So when I created, in, you know, when I was uh, my PhD student after I came out of MIT, we were, we actually thought we could help pharma. Pharma was smart. We could actually help them identify problems. So Pfizer actually had us uh, uh, do a mathematical model of lupus. And then the entire group at Pfizer got completely dismantled. We would have loved to help them, but they got dismantled. We, we the vaccine ma maker should actually be coming to us because we can actually help find things that do not work because Cytosol can find synergies. However, they've never taken up the offer. But the cool thing is we've used Cytosol. We have the gold standard because we use Cytosol. We publish papers. 
We've actually used Cytosol to identify two combination therapies without killing any animals for cancer. We got it allowed by the FDA. So, but everything we do with Cytosol is in the natural products world, but they have a problem with me and Cytosol because uh, I've gotten the gold standard by the big guy. So they can't say that our stuff doesn't work. But today we're using Cytosol to actually understand natural products and how we can create natural combinations. That's what we do. But Cytosol is a mathematical modeling technology. Our goal is to eliminate the need for animal testing. That's our goal. Um, can the virus, someone said, can the virus through the vaccine be passed from human to human? Can the virus through the vaccine? Oh, okay. I, I think what you're asking is if, if someone gets, okay. So just remember, uh, I think if you're asking a general question, we're all trading viruses every day, okay? You have 380 trillion viruses in you. John's got 380 trillion. I have 380 trillion. And we are all walking germ things. So we're always transacting um, all sorts of chemical entities. I think the key key question to ask is, the, the main question to ask is, um, how do we boost the immune system? Because boosting the immune system is what we should focus on because the immune system was designed over billions of years to ward off many, many things. So vitamin D3, for example, creates what are called CAMPS, catholicidin antimicrobial proteins, which actually are capable of taking down, um, you know, and lysing cell walls, which means breaking up cell walls. Instead of, I wish the discussion out there was at least 80, 20, 80% on boosting the immune system and 20% on all these therapies because boosting the immune system, vitamin D3 is a very powerful way to boost the immune system. What else we got here? Um, go ahead, John, anything else? Um, uh, someone's asking like definitively, like do you recommend taking the COVID vaccine? Yes or no? Look, uh, this is something that you have to make a decision on, okay? I'm not gonna take, I've never taken a flu shot. I think growing up, maybe I got two vaccines, maybe when I first had to come to the United States. I played in dirt. You know, one of the videos I did earlier will show you that resilience is a key. A great piece of research that, that was done by published in the Pediatrics Journal shows that when you're young, um, they did a study in uh, Finland of uh, kids, uh, babies that grew up, up, up until the age of one year old. When they, and they looked at uh, families which had dogs that were indoor dogs, dogs which went in and out, and then families which had no dogs. Well, the families which had dogs that were bringing in dirt in and out had a 44% less reduction in ear infections. So we know when kids are young, the immune system is waiting because we're not just like individual entities. We grew up in nature. We're supposed to be exposed to dirt and proteins, okay? And your body's supposed to get engaged. So it's up to you. I'm sure not taking the vaccine, okay? And no one's gonna force me to take the vaccine because I've never taken any flu shot or any of this stuff. But I will tell you that you can do a lot with vitamin D3, a lot with vitamin A, a lot with eating well, a lot with organic nutrition. You can really beef up your immune system. And that's what we should be educating on. And that's what I will be educating you on as I've always done. Next. Anything else? Um, people are talking about, I'm not sure what this means, but people are talking about vax shedding. Is that possible? Yeah, so, so look, um, one thing is, so, so, so in, this is in the case of traditional vaccines. What people talk about is um, you take a deadened vaccine, right? You give it to someone, okay? 
Um, and some of the vaccines include attenuated forms of the virus, okay, which is not the uh, deadened virus. Others include the live virus potentially. So if I give it to you, John, you can actually shed it to someone else, okay? Um, this is an area that we need to do more research on. And this is an area where, where we need to do open and transparent research. One of the things that I'm a big proponent of is what's called citizen science. And we talked about it on our Senate campaign. Look, uh, today what's happened is big academia gets funded by big pharma and professorships in big um, academia's entire lifestyle is determined on the grants they get. Fauci controls the livelihood of hundreds of thousands of researchers. If they don't follow the party line, they're never going to get funded. They're never going to become a professor. They're done. They're done. Okay. So the issue here is, um, you know, where's the funding coming from? And um, when research is done, my view is any research that's done by federally funded money, the research data needs to be publicly made aware up into the cloud. It's our data. It should be shared. We don't do that right now. We need to move to an open science model. And we don't have that. We don't even, uh, many of the scientists, when we fund them with our research, they hold on to it. And we have scientists at MIT and Harvard getting funded by China and other countries, okay? And the collusion and the level of incestuous behavior is quite appalling. So we move away from the scientific method to scientific consensus. So the only way to resolve that is you, you, you as citizens need to start demanding open science. This is why one of the most important things I want to teach everyone is we have to move to a model where all of you start learning political theory. There are principles in, in uh, just like I've shared with you, you know, some science here, there is a science to changing the world. So I recommend all of you, please take time every Monday evenings for three hours. I teach a course called Foundations of Systems. You can go to vashiva.com. Let me show it to you before I end here tonight. You can go to vashiva.com slash join. And if you go here, you can support our platform, okay? Uh, you can contribute to it. You can get access to the membership. You can get access to videos. I want those who su support us um, can also get access to the book System and Revolution, which is like the textbook, and a tool that lets you understand your body as an engineering system. And you can also... Um, become a part of what we call the truth, freedom and health warriors, where I want you to start committing to get educated. And when you um, uh, become a member of the community, we're building back end platforms. So you can have your own email, you can have your own forum, we can have our own equivalent of Facebook, you know, among people who want to get trained. Because if we're really going to take this seriously, you have to take a approach where you start understanding the systems that govern your immune, the, the, the science that governs your immune system, your body, everything in the universe, there is a system science. So in this three hour class, I will teach you, um, I will teach you literally in about three hours, probably uh, 40 years of knowledge, uh, control systems theory. So you understand what is a system. You'll understand the interconnection between truth, freedom and health, why we need freedom, why we need truth, why we need health. You'll understand how you can apply this to understand why we need to build a bottoms up movement and why we need to be aware of disturbances from the left and the right of people who claim that they're fighting for us. Look in the quote unquote medical freedom movement. Robert Kennedy makes a lot of money running his thing. He wants $30,000, $16,000 for you to fly him around. He lost in California fighting for medical freedom rights. He lost in New York. When I got involved in the movement, I said we need to build a bottoms up movement. 
And he attacked me. He said that, oh, no, 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 Shiva's going to piss off the Democrats. I'm making deals with them. This is a Kennedy approach, backroom deals to put all the focus on him, not us building up a bottoms up movement. The way we're going to win this is to educate, educate, educate. What I just shared with you today is not a left or right issue. It's to start teaching you what is an mRNA vaccine? How does it work? What are build awareness from a scientific perspective? And that's the way we're going to basically get the truth, freedom, and health we deserve. So please take time to go to vhu.com. And just let me just show you here. When you log into the site, um, we are giving, there's a dashboard, okay? So for example, when you log into the dashboard, there's three things. There's education, there's communication tools. Um, for anyone who logs in, we have a forum uh, we just launched where you can have our own discussion board independent of Facebook. For people who start getting on the leadership and the warrior path. Uh, there's a social media capability for people to talk. There's email capability, conferencing capability. And as you can see here, there's events. You get access to the Your Body, Your System tool. You get access to four different eBooks, a lot of course material. Um, I used to teach this course at MIT, which is one of the most popular courses. So you're getting all of that. Um, but my goal is to educate, educate, educate. That's the only way we're going to win. We're not going to win with the Patriot Party, the MAGA Party, the left party, the right party. We're going to learn by going bottoms up. And for example, on the issue of masks, before I end this, um, I did a whole video series on masks and the effect of masks on what we call periodontal disease. And there's a whole bunch of research up on the website. Please go check that out. But one of the important things you'll find out is not only will you learn uh, from this training, uh, how masks, uh, the, the science of masks, but you'll also learn from this training what you can do in your local neighborhoods. So what we've done is when you log into the dashboard, as I'm doing here, John, you may just want to show people this, that, and I'll close with this, is when you go to the dashboard, we want to make you local citizen educators. So when you log into the dashboard, we've created a card, no different than one of these three and a half by two inch cards, okay? Um, and this card, you can print at your local staples, your local printer. The front of the card um, literally has uh, the uh, mass and oral health, you know, with Dr. Shiva here. It says building awareness of the risks of mass to you and your child. And then the back of the card, as you'll see, um, you can educate your people, maybe at your local Starbucks, give it to parents. It says the science. It says the oral microbiome, mouth bacteria critical to overall health. A child's oral microbiome is is a predictor of their future health. Systems biology reveals masks disrupt oral microbiome and dentists are now reporting increase in oral health issues. So this is a science. So instead of fighting with someone about masks or not masks, say, hey, look, did you know the science that the mouth, when you put that mask on your mouth, it really increases temperature, decreases acidity, it creates mask mouth, okay? And, and then here are the public health implications. You know, we need more risk assessment. And this is something everyone should fight for, right? Okay, you want to start using mRNA vaccines? Where's the risk assessment? The second thing is we need coverage of the emerging dental health issues, okay? So if your child has a dental health issue, don't you think whoever's forcing masks on us should also be liable for dental health issues? And if you're a parent, nearly 30% of parents are pulling their kids out of school, um, maybe we should give tax credits. If you're not going to use the existing public school infrastructure and all that goes on the parents, maybe we should get tax credits and we need to increase education investment in, in research. And you can drive people to the vashiva.com slash mass site. And if you go there, there's a great video here um, for all of you to use, right? Which gives the science of it, okay? 
So the idea is to train you on the science. And there's a great video. Everyone should go there. It, it, it really will train you. Um, we spent three years doing a lot of research on periodontal disease and you get access to all that research. Okay. So this is about combining science, you know, activism uh, in terms of educational activism based on grounded in science. That's the way we're going to really uh, bring light into the world, not by fighting left and right Republican Democrat or starting another party. It's about educating people. So that's what all of you can participate in. Okay. So please take advantage of it. And I hope this is valuable. Everyone cool on Instagram? Was it good? Any other things you guys want me to cover on mRNA? Uh, Periscope, YouTube, uh, Facebook, anything else? If you do want me to cover anything, please email me at vashiva at vashiva.com, victoralphashiva at victoralphashiva.com. And please take advantage. Go to uh, vashiva.com slash join. Join this movement, this platform that we're building. It's all for you, but it's really up to you. Nothing is going to happen in the world until we do it. John, you think I should play people the video we did to close? Uh, sure. Yeah. And um, in closing, I'm going to play you this video that we just put out. I think all of you should watch it. Um, it's a quick video that I'll play for you. I just put it up on. Um, let me uh, I think I'm here. Let me play it for you guys. Stop screen here. I'm going to stop this here. Let me share the screen here. Um, I, you can find it on Twitter, but it's a. Uh, it pretty much says uh, it's really up to all of you. You know, it's I can only do so much education, but it's really up to you to want to um, uh, get educated or be enslaved. Let me open this up. Make sure you guys can see it here. Is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among Let me start this the beginning. our country to be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you deep down inside them that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to. And we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left wing, right wing. There is a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they, they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. We got to train people. First, with understanding what a system is. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, right? Talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas, hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up, working people, people who work united. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. 
Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers. Completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people, Dave, to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not-so-obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not-so-obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you, on the left and the right, the Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, the Tucker Carlsons. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding, political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the, the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're going to follow, you know, some right wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own quote-unquote people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum. People can go to bashiva.com. And it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people. Two years of MIT control systems, I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, i got to build a bottoms-up movement. They have to get politically astute, and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, be, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. Uh, the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on V as in Victor A. Shiva, vashiva.com, so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, and health leader, I offer a full scholarship there, but we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to VA Shiva, Victory America Shiva, VAShiva.com. All right, everyone, I hope that helped. John, just wrap up a couple of things. So anyway, that video took a, a lot of stuff to do, but it pretty much shares it. It's up to us, guys. Um, you know, I was fortunate to get a lot of science knowledge training, but it's up to us to get educated. Someone just said, you know, knowledge is the ultimate weapon. Weaponize yourself with knowledge, but it's going to require you to get off your butts, put some time in and learn scientific principles. I put those principles together every Monday nights. I do it. I teach it over and over and over again. Whoever wants to come support yourself to do it and support the movement for truth, freedom and health. That's how we're going to win. There's no other way to win. You know, just look at what happened in the four years. 
Hillary never got locked up, guys. Wake up. So stop pushing this party, that party. Don't go from Burger King to McDonald's, okay? They're both unhealthy, okay? It's time that you start building a movement bottoms up. I figured out over years the principles of that, scientific principles. Without the science, you're not going to get anywhere. You're just fooling yourselves. You're being a dilettante, okay? If you want to be a professional about this, start getting educated. Thank you, everyone. Be the light and have a good evening. And thank you. Be well.